Hey friends, welcome to The Ruins, a podcast about the journey of faith. My name is Joseph, and in today's episode, we are joined by one of my favorite Twitter follows ever, the Tori Glass, and talking with her about leaving evangelicalism. We'll also talk about neuroscience, white supremacy, capitalism, bad theology, Christian nationalism, and why Republican politics is inseparable from white evangelicalism. Thanks for joining us. Here we go. Hello and welcome back, friends. It is so, so great to be back with you for another episode. I know the world is still chaotic in so many different ways, so I hope that you are taking care of yourself and taking care of the people around you, that you're resting when and how you can, that you're drinking water, and most of all, that you're being gentle with yourself because shit's crazy out there and we want you to be healthy and well, so we hope that you are taking care of yourself. With all that said, I'll be totally upfront with all of you. Today is a conversation I've always hoped I'd have one day because our guest is someone that I personally consider a celebrity, at least kind of in the Twitter, ex-evangelical, abolitionist, leftist world, which is exciting because we've never had an actual Twitter celebrity on the podcast, but there's a first time for everything. So I am so honored that I get to talk with Tori Glass today. So Tori, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on. I'm like, I, I think I was like, Twitter celebrity or influencer? Like, which one is like, I mean, it's it, people know what you mean, right? So it's like, ultimately, that's what matters. This is people, if people understand what you're communicating, then it's fine. And I'm like, in this little corner of like, used to be Christian Twitter, like, people vaguely know who I am. Um, but <laughs> just, it's, it's really, really funny. Like language is weird anyway. Totally. Totally. Well, for some of our listeners who may not know you, I would love for you to just share a little bit about who you are in the world and give us a sense of what it means to be Tori in this season of your life. Uh, yeah. So hi, I'm Tori. Super excited to be here. Um, I am like writer, speaker, anti-racism educator. Um, and, uh, yeah, Twitter, Twitter is like a big part of why I do what I do. (laughs) Um, so essentially, uh, going back a couple of years, I, um, I was working in a neuroscience lab, um, and I was doing recruitment in like under like kind of the umbrella of the lab, I was doing recruitment for underrepresented minorities. It's like bringing them to the institution. I'm in Portland. Portland is very white. Um, you know this. Yes. And, uh, so yeah, like being able to like have my, my, my boss, um, wanted to make sure that, that people could come here and get connected and have a support system and have people to spend time with. Um, and not just me, because, you know, most, most underrepresented minorities in, in higher ed, it's like your first generation college student, like, never mind, you know, grad school, postdoc, whatever. Um, so yeah, like having that, having that like kind of built in support was, was really great, but I was also in this space, like our lab was fucking huge. Um, like the primary, the primary things that, um, were being studied or like the biggest grants we had were for, um, ADHD and autism in the developing brain. Um, but then there were people in the lab working on like 
race, racism, maternal trauma, like brain development, um, and, and, you know, microbiome stuff. And it's like, it turns out your entire body's connected. Yes. Like who knew? Who knew? Um, so, <laughs> uh, so it's like, I'm still like, and it's, it's, it's so hard for me to not be like, Oh, your brain and your body. Like those are two separate different things. Like they're, Oh my God. Anyway. Um, so in this space, I'm like, you know, little Twitter fiend, I guess that I am. Um, I am like tweeting stuff about like American history, just kind of what I do. And just like, I, I'm not a super like hot takes person on Twitter. Um, like if, if, if something is going down, like I'm, I'm not like the first person to come out Yeah. with like a statement, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, and so, you know, I kind of like, I kind of like sit with stuff. Like I will all like sit on thoughts for like months or years mm. before I tweet them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I'm, I'm very much kind of like, okay, I want to look at this in like historical context. Um, and then being able to add this like neuroscience nervous system mm. piece to like the kind of historical context of like race and racism um, and like trying to kind of get people to the point where they can like imagine something different, right. Where they, they can imagine like restorative justice Yes. Um, because we're, we're just not given any kind of framework to, to even imagine that. Yeah. Um, yeah so I kind of, you know, I kind of started like tying all of these things together and I, you know, I wish we, I wish more people would, would, do that. But anyway, you know, I'm sure we'll get there eventually. And, um, so yeah, people just started coming to me and going like, Hey, um, so I love what you're saying. Don't want to be racist. Uh, what do I do? And, um, my response was like, well, if I don't, if I don't know you, I have no idea what you should do. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, so I, but I kept like getting these, these questions from people. And so, uh, I decided to create white homework, yes. which is just like little, these little modules that you can kind of go through, figure out like, you know, what it, like what it is that you are trying to kind of sort through. Um, and then it's just kind of a, there's, you know, there's some thoughts, there's some prompts, there's some research that you have to do. And, but most of it is kind of like reflection. Like, how did I come to these conclusions mm. about like, indigenous people, right. Yes. Or black people or, or, or my industry and how wide it is. Like, how did I come to the conclusion that that's okay? Um, so really kind of encouraging people to like do their own work, you know, like, sh like show up and do, and do your thing because yeah. like, I can, I can, I can tell if my, you know, if one of my best friends comes to me and is like, Hey, what should I do? I'm like, I can give you, because I'm like, I know how much margin you have in your life, right? Like I know what your mental health status is. I know what your income is. I know where your parents live. Like mm. these are things that I'm like, okay, Hey, look at like, let's look at this, um, from like kind of a broader perspective. It's like, okay, yeah. Like somebody's parents going to die and you're suddenly going to have like seven figure bank account. Like, yeah. So what, you know, what is, what is reparations look like? Then exactly, exactly. Then like a college student, right? Like what, or somebody who's kind of just like trying to get started in like creating a life outside of church 
as an example, right? So there's all like the spectrum is so broad. Um, and I think that it's really important for people. I don't, I really don't like being prescriptive. Mm. Um, you know, I, I really, I try to get away from that because that was like churchy spaces. It wasn't, it wasn't just like prescriptive. It was like a demand. And it was very one dimensional. It was like, here's the one Mm -hmm, thing that mm -hmm. you should do if you are having this question or whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. And, and also like, there's this idea of like, there's answers for everything. Yes. (laughs) You know, it's like, sometimes, you know, sometimes there's not a right answer. Most of the time there's not a right answer. Mm. Most of the time there isn't a right choice. Right. I mean, if we're talking about two, three, four scenarios that you could potentially like go through with, if no one's being harmed, like there's not, there's probably not going to be a right one. Um, so like kind of helping people to, like move forward in their own journey without having to do like, you know, spend hours on zoom every day talking to people about like, Hey, uh, so, I mean, I like, and I, I do like, you know, a lot of my patrons, uh, do spend time with me because like at a certain tier, I I'm like more than happy to do that. Um, so it's not, that's not to say that it's not something that I, I'm trying to avoid, but I do think that there is most people I think can get really far in this work without having to like, Hey, I'm going to go talk to like my black friend or there's like this, you know, like there's this like Latina person in my office. Like, (laughs) you know, Um, like most people can, most people can do their own work, frankly. Um, And so I think that like kind of having that expectation of people, you know, it's like, I expect, like, I expect you to be able to, to show up, but yeah, that's sort of, that's a little bit of like where I came from and in, in, in that process, um, basically like when I, when I started that job, it was basically the same time that I was leaving church. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really, really interesting to kind of go from this like sort of chaotic interpretation of the Bible where there's not like, and there's not like super like there's no internal consistency. So you kind of have to like craft that from like the, the parts of the narrative that, that really work towards whatever, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you said you were like, you should cut loose. I'm like, just going to be honest here. Like whatever your political aims are with the Bible, because totally that's how the, it works yes, in this context. Totally. Um, yeah. It's like, there's no motivation. Like God suddenly decides like, Oh shit, I'm going to go kill Moses. I got nothing better to do tonight. <laughs> like he's doing the thing I said he should do, but I don't know. He's not there yet. I'm just going to off him. Like, like there's no, there's no motivation for any of the characters to do anything. It's just like surprise. I have this urge to like be nice to you or I don't know, like here's a plague. Exactly. Right. So, um, like being in a, being in a space where it's like, is, you know, science is very, very obviously different. Right. And it, there's like, these ideas sort of build on each other and it's really organized. And, you know, as a, as a kid, cause I grew up in like white evangelicalism, um, and was kind of like raised white, I guess. Uh, it was like, it, it was always presented as like, you know, there's evolution or creationism. Yes. Right. Um, and shout out like, to Ken Ham. Shout- yeah, truly, <laughs> truly. 
and his gay little his gay little boat. Yeah. Um, so it's like, well, the Bible's a book, and this biology textbook is a book. They're both books. They both require faith, and it's like that is fucking bullshit. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> you know, because it's like, like, like a biology textbook gets updated for one. Um, and it's like, things are very kind of organized. Um, things build on each other. It's not, it's not. And, and sometimes it's like you get information, you don't know what to do with it. It doesn't fit into the framework. Mm. And so you have to keep asking questions. Exactly. Which leads right? you down a Which certain is something, road and then you have more uh-huh. questions and absolutely. Right. Yeah. Which is very, very different from like how how the Bible is dealt with yeah. in like in like white evangelical spaces yes. for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of where I've landed, yeah. where I am now. Totally. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I wanted to provide a little bit of context for this conversation. If you, as a listener, have been around this podcast for a while, you know a bit of my story. But I, as I started confronting and rethinking, kind of reimagining my faith, I was fired from the church that I was a pastor at, super traumatic. I left the church for a while, came back to the church, and I'm now in this weird space of I'm still really passionate about the way of Jesus and think that Christianity can be used in a lot of beautiful ways, but I don't identify in the ways that I used to, and a lot of the community that I've had in the past is totally gone. Um, But I'm still in and around faith circles and talking with people about the way of Jesus. But I know that that's not everyone's story. And this podcast is about the journey of faith and everyone's journey looks different. And most of the people, we were talking about this before we were recording, but most of the people I've had on the podcast to talk to have in some way, shape or form went through some kind of deconstruction or decolonization or rethinking of their faith, but still for the most part identify as a Christian or with the church or faith or whatever. And I have just kind of been increasingly convinced that it's important for us to tell all different stories on this podcast. And so I wanted to talk with Tori because she is someone who grew up in conservative white evangelicalism, as she mentioned, as did a lot of us, and eventually left the church altogether and hasn't gone back since. And I think that's an important story that I want to talk about today and tell because I think that's becoming more and more common. And I think it's important for us to not only make space for that, but even celebrate people who are enacting their agency and making choices for themselves and doing what's best for them in the moment. So with all of that said, the kind of context for that, Tori, I would love for you to just share a little bit about your early journey of faith in white evangelicalism. You mentioned it a little bit in your bio, but just kind of growing up, maybe adolescence, what kind of your young adult life was like? What's what's kind of the, before you were like, fuck this, I'm out. Uh, I'm sure the story didn't begin like that. So kind of give us a little bit of context to what your early journey of faith was like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I... Uh, grew up, was born and raised in Portland. And um, yeah, so Portland is very white. We attended like, you know, the churches we went to were incredibly white. Um, And my parents kind of went to these like charismatic Pentecostal house church type situations, kind of like prepping before prepping was cool because like Jesus or the Antichrist was coming and we didn't really know which. Um, and uh so, you know, and in that in that context, like, you know, and I I was I was homeschooled because like public school is sinful. Um and you know, so I'm kind of observing 
that like in, in the spaces, even, even in like the little, the little bit of space that I get kind of like outside of like my house and church, which is like the only places we really went, it was like there, it was just like abundantly clear to me that there were, um, like racial disparities in the city. Right. Um, I did not see a lot of black folks in Portland. Um, and the ones that I did were disproportionately experiencing some kind of crisis. Right. Um, and so that was, that was something that struck me as, as like a child, (laughs) you know, it was like, this is, this is, this doesn't add up to me. Like, so something is wrong here. Um, so I, you know, and I've always been very, like, I'm an Enneagram eight for anybody who's into that shit. Like I have always been very justice oriented, um, and, uh, very kind of like, discontent with, with the status quo, if it's causing harm. Um, mm. and so, and like in our context, again, like the status quo is always causing somebody harm. Um, so, you know, like even as a, even as a child, like I, I was very kind of oriented towards justice and I was absolutely raised in these spaces of, of like that were anti queer, like, yeah. And it kind of anti-everybody, to be yes. honest. Like, we don't have to even go through the list, right? Even ourselves, because, um, like, original sin. So we even hate ourselves. Yes. Like, yes, literally exactly, everybody. Exactly, exactly. And that's, there's, like, this, like, self-reinforcing system of, like, just hatred, right? Yes. Um, self-deprecation. And so I'm, like, I'm, like, being told, I'm being given all of these messages, right, about, like, like, liberal women just want to have abortions yes because we know everybody loves going to the vagina dentist yes that's what we do for fun exactly um so and and you know it's just like oh these these people are these people are bad guys and like getting all these like cons- like conspiracy theories about like the clintons and whatever like the yep. first round of that uh in the 90s classic <laughs> and uh so I'm very much like kind of in this space, but it's, it, it doesn't like a lot of, a lot of what I'm being taught. Um, it's like, oh, it's like, this is biblical. Like God doesn't approve of like gay people. Right. It's like, it's in the, the Bible clearly says. Yes. Um, and I was like, okay. Like, I guess like uh, to me, like it just, it never, it never, it never sat right. You know? Mm. Um, and so I was like, this is like a thing that I guess like I'm supposed to believe. Um, but I don't know, like I, this, something about this doesn't track to me. Um, so this was like, you know, kind of just my entire childhood was like this very kind of enclosed, like religious space. Um, and like my parents are, and were very devout. Um, and that was just, that was really, really important for them. And so they put a lot of time and effort and energy into like making sure that was important for us, which it turns out you can't do that to children. Uh, doesn't stick. Um, like this shit will not take. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, you know, but I, I was in this, I was like in this space, I realized like basically like right, probably right after, right after high school, like, like right when I graduated from high school, homeschool, high school, just so we're clear. Um, I was like, oh, like I'm, I'm definitely like also attracted to women. Can't do that. Cause that's not cool, I guess. Um, so I'm just going to like 
set that to the side, <laughs> Yep. you know, cause it was just like, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to be good. I'm in purity culture. I, 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 I suck at being pure. I don't know what to tell you. Yes. Um, and so <laughs> I'm, you know, like still kind of wrestling with this, with all of this, like, like, you know, sex negative, body negative, anti-queer, like anti, you know, immigrants, anti whoever is being like coded or filling in for like black people. Um, and, um, you know, I'm just kind of like, I have to, I have to find a way to make peace with this. Right. Mm. So it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's fraught the entire time. Right. Like my entire, like early adulthood, I mean, essentially, essentially from like 20 to 30, I'm like trying to figure this, I'm trying to like figure this shit out. You know, were Um, you at this point, were you kind of like, this isn't for me. I'm trying to figure out how to get out. Or were you like, I was like, I think how do I make this important work? to me? Yeah. You he, still he wanted was, to like, hold on to some of it, but you didn't know how to make it work. I, I, yeah. I mean, I didn't like, I wasn't, I wasn't looking to leave, you know, mm. I was, I was yeah. looking to like, get to a place within like the context that I was in. Um, that was like, just more settled for me, right? That didn't feel like a complete denial, um, disavowal of like these huge swaths of like who I am. Yes. <laughs> you know, and all you've ever known. Yeah. Yes. Also that absolutely. Um, you know, it's like this is this is the space. This is where I was raised. Uh so you know, like. I really like in this, in that span, right? Like 20 to 30, like that's, that's a really huge age. So I like got married, had a couple kids. Um, and like after, after my second was born, I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to go back to school. Like this is, I don't, I don't know, whatever. Um, and so I actually ended up taking like, like real science classes for the first time in, in my life, not like science classes that were, you know, or science textbooks that were like vetted by, you know, the Ken Hams of the world. Absolutely. Um, and Actual science I, books. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really fascinated by how it's like, oh, this all builds on itself. Right. And um, like, it doesn't really, doesn't really work to be like super, super committed to like a specific outcome. Like certainly there are people in science who are like that and whatever, fuck them. Um it's like, this is, this is organized. This is structured. This makes sense. Like there's, there's, there's like something motivating this. Right. And when we're getting information, like when we have these sort of broader theories, like new data supports that, right. It's not just like this chaotic mess of like evolution requires just as much faith as like creationism. Like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. I'm sorry. Um, and so kind of seeing like seeing evolution, like laid out, right. Cause that's kind of like biology 101 is starting, you know, you're starting from like these really like single cell organisms and, and, and things that are like bacteria, things that are even like smaller, um, and kind of growing from there and kind of seeing like how each new thing, like each new, each new sensory input is like, kind of gets added on, like through the process, uh, was I like, I loved that. I was like, this is like this, this shit is my jam. Um, and so this was like, this was, this was kind of, um, as this was happening, this is like right after, um, 
Michael Brown was killed. Mm. And that was, that was really a catalyst for me to kind of go like, okay, I, I, I can like renegotiate this. Like, this is a space where I'm clearly not wanted. Um, you know, I'm like seeing all these people on social media, like, like, like pastors that I know people who were like former pastors of mine. And I'm just like, why, like, why are all these people like celebrating the fact that like a cop killed a black kid? Like, what is like, what's underneath this? Why is this, why is this happening? Right. Exactly. Like, why is this so exciting for you? Mm. You know, um, it, cause it wasn't just like, it was, it was, it wasn't just something that were like, oh yeah, it's something that happens. They were like, they were into it. And so I was like, okay, clearly I'm not wanted in this space. I have been trying for, you know, a decade at this point as an adult to like figure out how to, how to navigate this, how to like force my sort of inclusive justice oriented beliefs into like an evangelical framework. Yes. Um, and I'm like, I don't need to do that because these people don't want me here. Uh, like they don't give a fuck if I live or die. And so I was like, well, huh, this is like, this is an interesting opportunity to kind of like figure out other ways of existing in the world. Yes. <laughs> um, so that was the, you know, that was like, as I said, that was really the catalyst, um, for me kind of renegotiating what I wanted my life to look like. Um, and yeah, so I kind of, you know, I kind of started like pulling away from a lot of, a lot of, I guess, like the, frankly, the Christianist beliefs that I was raised with. Um, right. Cause it was like, it was all for political power turns out. Um, which is probably why it didn't super sit well with me. (laughs) Which is wild to look back. I mean, I I've been reading, I've read a couple books recently, specifically uh, Dr. Anthea Butler's White Evangelical Racism. Mm -hmm. I read that book whenever it was released. And I was like, I I didn't see any of this because I was like a kid, you know, and I'm like, yeah, they're like, oh, the Clintons and the Democrats and feminism and like all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh, whatever. It's politics. I don't. And then you get to like adulthood and you start to like, unpack your childhood and especially like in a faith context and you're like yo this shit was like everywhere and if we're like oh trump it's like yo trump is just like our version Mm -hmm. of everything that's been happening for like decades in the gop and conservative white evangelicalism and like if that doesn't rock your faith as like an adult i'm like i i don't know if if anything, anything will. I mean, you just like, when you start to unpack yeah. all these things and it's, uh, it's so hard to do and so hard to think back and like, yeah. man, what was genuine? What was good? What was my parents trying to do their best with what they had and what they mm-hmm. were giving mm-hmm. and how much like grace do you give? And at the same time be like, no, fuck that. That was like abusive and harmful and like bad. Right. And those, those feelings right. are, I mean, obviously that's like, go to therapy. That's why therapy is good. But also it's like, it's tough to navigate those things for sure. For so many people, us included. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, cause it was, it was, it was sold to us as religion. Right. Mm. But it was like, the goal was explicitly political. Yeah. Um, so it's like, Hey, what, what, what do we do with this? 
you know, um, kind of going back and, and interrogating that stuff and figuring out like, why do I continually try to put myself into this box that I clearly don't fit in. Right. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I was kind of like, that's kind of when I started going, okay, I, I don't, I don't need to keep make trying to like force myself into this space. Um, you know, cause it's like, I'm forcing myself in. And then the people who are in are telling me like, I'm not good enough. Right. Yes. Um, that I have to leave. Like, so you're forcing yourself into a space that you're not even welcomed right. or belong. Right. Into. Exactly. It's like, you have to leave all of these parts of your identity at, at the door. Um, which is really just like, that is like a fascinating exploration in itself. In itself, it's like, you have to, you have to like, you can't, you can't be black in this space. You can't be queer in this space. You can't be affirming in this space. You can't be a liberal in this space. Never mind like a leftist. Um, and, uh, this is like, you're, you're like seen as dangerous. Um, and it's really fascinating to me that like, if you're just like cis capitalist white dude, it's like, you don't have to leave anything at the door. I know. What's up? Like, what's up with that? Why is that made for you? Like why, but like, why, why is it that like, you don't have to give anything up? Yep. Like you don't, you don't even, you don't even have to be humble. Like you can actively like accumulate power and not, not even apologize for that, you yeah. know? Um, and so it's really interesting that like there, there is kind of like this, this idea of like, like white men are like closer to God, right? Like yeah. they have left less to give up, less to repent for just intrinsically, just, just as a matter of fact, because of how like they exist in the world. And I'm yes. like, that's bullshit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's really where I was kind of like, eh, I can, I can move on from this. Yeah. And I think for for a lot of our listeners, I know this is the case because I've talked with them, but they're kind of in these spaces where they're like, okay, what I grew up with, the faith that I inherited does not work for me anymore. They may be reading or learning kind of from these more progressive spaces or ways of, of doing faith or whatever. And I know you talk a lot about the problems with Christianity and evangelicalism and many of those problems, as we've talked about, of Christian nationalism and white supremacy and capitalism and patriarchy and ableism and all the things are pretty obvious to those who have kind of like left conservative white evangelicalism. That's Mm -hmm. like usually part of the reason why they left. But I'm seeing more and more a lot of the problems with so-called progressive Christians who have kind of like left conservative evangelicalism but in a lot of ways still hold on to the same kind of like systems and structures that they preach against, just like in a different way and still kind of require people to fit into certain boxes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my question for you is, is that something that you experience now or in the past? And if so, why do you think it's hard for people to just straight up like leave this system altogether? Like if, if they are feeling that tug or feeling that sense of like, ah, I, I think I want to go. Like, I don't see any goodness in this. Mm -hmm. And maybe they start to like hang out with white progressive Christians Mm -hmm. 
oftentimes they're still going to encounter the same sort of experiences that they did. It's just in a different iteration. So is that Mm -hmm. something that you have seen or experienced? And if so, do you mind speaking to that a little bit? Um, yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, I think like there's, there's definitely a lot there. Um, Mm. (laughs) like, so I, I actually haven't spent like a ton of time in progressive Christian spaces. Um, one thing that is, you know, really, really interesting to me. Um, and, and like, there's been a lot of conversation around this is like deconstruction is not decolonization right? Like you can deconstruct your faith and you're still a person with a shit ton of privilege, you know, um, who like, yeah, go there, go there. Cause I think that's a, that's an important aspect of faith right now, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it's like, it's like we were talking about, it's like, oh, this is interesting. Like this, this system just like overwhelmingly benefits you just because of the way that you like exist in the world. But you're trying to tell me that it's, like fair, right. That it's just that like anybody can work in the system. They just have to try hard enough. Um, and so like, it's really hard to, you know, when you're going from like evangelicalism into another space, um, you know, it, it's, it's a big ask to like reject all of that stuff. And I think that most progressive Christian spaces are led by white folks Right. So there's, there's some, there's some gaps in like experience in knowledge in impact, right? Like they're just impacts that you don't, that you're not going to experience. Um, I mean, like a white dude is never going to be like passed over for a job that like another white dude is hiring for because it's like, oh, you're overrepresented here or whatever, right? Like you're not going to be passed over because it's like, well, you've been given all of this affirmative action. So, you know, we're going to give it to the guy who didn't get to go to college for free. Like, you know, whatever, whatever myths they've made up to like kind of justify and like reinforce this. And it's, it's like, you have to dig your way out of all of this shit. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, like, I was talking to, um, Justin, my co-host on Go Home Bible, You're Drunk. And he pointed out, he was like, I think, you know, like abortion is like one of the last things that people like being anti-abortion is one of the last things people let go of when they leave these spaces. Right. Um, so there's like a, there's so, there's so many layers to it, but I think that like when you're in, when you're in spaces, like, and I know that, you know, I know a lot of I feel very comfortable saying that like at the end of the day, like progressive Christian spaces are like more oriented towards justice and harm reduction than evangelical spaces. Like that's just true. Um, and it's like, there's still a lot to learn and unlearn. Right. Um, like we're still, even if I, even if I leave the church, right. Like, like, Christian nationalism doesn't go away or get reduced because I've, because I've walked out. Right. Um, like even if I leave the church, I still live in a capitalist system where exploitation is, is necessary in order for like us people at the top, whatever that means to like maintain our standard of living. Right. Um, like even if I leave, even if I leave white evangelicalism, like pregnant people get pay decreases when they become pregnant and men who become fathers get pay increases, right? Like, like, so 
they're, they're like the broader structure, like, like white evangelicalism is really fascinating because it actually like undergirds like all of the shitty stuff yeah. <laughs> that exists. Right. It's kind of like, like a four a forefather to all the terrible systems and structures. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way that I kind of see it is it's like, it's this defense of these, these awful systems. Cause it's like, well, I mean, yeah, like white supremacy is bad and like exploitation is bad and sexism is bad or whatever the situation is. But like, oh, you can't, you like, no, this is just my religion. Like you don't get to cross this boundary. Right. And so it's like, I don't, I don't have to be interrogated for like the impacts of like my belief system, um, right. because it's my religion and you, you don't, you don't get to question that. If you question that, you're like, you're a bad person. This isn't just like my religion. This is like God's way yes. of enacting goodness in the world. So we fight these systems of, you know, we're fighting against yeah. abortion and same-sex marriage. And like back in the day, it was like interracial marriage. And mm -hmm. we're like doing all these things, but not because they somehow make us more money, even though they do, or they give us more power, even though they do. But what's underneath that is this kind of like supremacist version of like a theocratic vision for like, if God's will is done on earth mm -hmm. as it is in heaven, what that means to us is it looks like this in the world. And yeah. so that's so fascinating to be in a space where you are literally like fighting for God in mm -hmm. all of these things, right. which I think is why there's so much like vitriol and we see yeah. like the alt-right Christian nationalists, what's happening is like, this isn't just like me and my family and like protecting the kids but like underneath that is like, this is what God yeah. demands of us. And mm -hmm. it's so hard to like detach yourself from the reality that like God is not asking you to do these things. <laughs> if God exists in the world, that is not what God is asking anyone to do. So like, what are we doing? You know, it's, it's funny. The minute you say, the minute you want to like, be pro-abortion and be a pastor or priest or whatever. I mean, like the amount, even in the last two years, the amount of conversations that I've had with people here in Spokane about Christian nationalism, mm. about pro-abortion, about LGBTQ plus rights, about trans theology, like all those things, you just like eventually dig yourself into a hole and people are like, oh, pff, all right, you've lost me. Like, I can go some of the way, right. but I can't go all of the way. Right. And I think that's, yeah. that is something that I see a lot in progressive Christian spaces of, yeah, I can, like, we're going to be a church, but we're going to be LGBTQ plus inclusive. Right. And I'm like, okay, that's great. That's like better than not, uh -huh. but you're still hella white. You're still like operating in a capitalistic structure of orientating towards the world. So that actually like, I don't know. Is that better? Like, I guess a little bit, but yeah, I think you said something earlier that really, really struck me mm -hmm. and kind of like, this is why I've fallen in love with like abolition work recently, but it's like, mm. it's a curiosity to imagining a world outside of the frameworks that we currently operating in. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's hard to do because there's 
you're trying to reinvent a world that doesn't exist yet. And there's mm -hmm. ideas and that's pretty much it. And that's, I think that's hard for people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think that that's kind of like, that's kind of the role that like, that's a role that capitalism plays. Like that's a role that, that whiteness as a construct, right? Like not, not yes. white individuals per se, but like the construct of whiteness is very kind of like, there's really only a couple of options here. Right. Um, and so, you know, like we, it's like, I mean, the, the thing that I get stuck on, right. Is it's like, you kind of have like capitalism and like socialism slash communism, wherever you want to be on that spectrum. And it's like, those are the only, those are the only options for an economy. You know, yes. it's like human ingenuity is limitless, except when it comes to like, how do we take care of people? And then all of a sudden yes. nobody has any ideas, right? It's just like, yes. well, good luck. Um, so, you know, imagining, right. Like, like abolition is an incredible kind of exercise in imagining, like, what do we do with people who cause harm? Yeah. You know, because, uh, like causing harm back doesn't work. Like, yep. sorry. You know, I, like I was having a conversation with somebody on Twitter the other day and they were like, giving people life sentences for, uh, providing abortions is, is justice. And I was like, there is never a situation in which a life sentence is justice. I'm sorry. There's yes. not, there is no reason for some like 70, 80 something year old to be like wasting away in prison when they're like, couldn't get yes. up and leave if they wanted to, you know, yes. like that's just, that just, it, and it doesn't work. It's not, it's not a deterrent. Like we have data Going on back this. to science. We right. have the data. It doesn't <laughs> right. work. Exactly. So it's like, what is like, what is, what does restoration look like? What does redemption look like? What does it look like to, um, like work towards correcting the harm that you've caused, you know, um, yeah. which is not prison. Yes. It just isn't. Or um, cops. It's not cops. <laughs> it's not prison. Turns out like there are better ways to do things. Um, yeah, and that's and that's hard too because so much of that is rooted like in our theology mm -hmm. because we have this idea that like oh the wages of sin is death okay so like uh -huh. you're gonna die because of your sin and uh -huh. then you just transfer that into like carceral logic and it's mm -hmm. like wow this is punitive because that's who we have made God out to be and uh -huh. oh it's just it's it's very hard to detach yourself from that way of thinking if you're not already oriented towards being an eight on the Enneagram, <laughs> uh, which I am also an eight. So I totally get that. And I totally get the like, yo, I'm not like content to just like, oh, we're better than other things or like mm -hmm. good enough. Like mm -hmm. that just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I would love to, in the time that we have, I want to be sensitive to your time, but I would love to just end uh, by talking a little bit about white homework. I know that you um, talked about that on the front end a little bit. You talked a little bit about what it is and how you started doing this work. And I would love for people who are interested in like, oh, that's a curious way of like, obviously like, oh, racism is bad. Like white supremacy is everywhere. What do I do? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people are asking those questions and they may have like read a book here and there and trying mm -hmm. to like unpack different things in their life. And this is a great avenue for people to kind of like own the process themselves and not put the burden on somebody else to teach them. Um, 
So can you just like maybe share a little bit about what it looks like to be a part of the white homework community? How can people get engaged? What does like it look like to be a part of this community? And kind of what do you see on the horizon for white homework? What are you pressing into? What's next? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so essentially, like I said, I really want people to be able to like do their own work. Like there's only really so much I can help you with if I'm, you know, if we're not having regular conversations. Um, so, you know, giving people the tools, cause that's, that's something that is like really, it's like, we don't have the skill set, but we also don't have the tools. Right. Mm. And it's like, you kind of got to practice in order to be good at something. You don't just like show up one day and like know how to build a house. Right. Um, yeah. and so like giving people, giving people like an accessible tool. And I like, I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of oriented this way, just in general, like if, if people don't, walk away with something that they can do if they don't walk away with some like some material change that they can make like what is the point like why are we having these conversations and reading these books you know um so yeah i mean i like i have created this space like the reason that i actually um trying to trying to like uh i guess i don't know put my money where my mouth is or like like live up to like my values um the reason that that i created white homework like the podcast was because I wanted to be able to like pay rent for a family of color for a year. Um, and so we're like actually coming up on like our third year of doing that, which was really fucking cool. Um, and like, that was, that was like, that was the motivation for me. It was because I was like a lot of uh, like, we, we try to make it complicated. A lot of anti-racism is just like giving people some fucking breathing room. Um, and you know, if that just means like you skip a coffee once a month, which is really what it is for, you know, it's like, that's what five bucks is at this point. Right. Um, like that makes, that makes a huge positive material difference in people's lives, right? Like giving people's nervous systems a break Mm. is huge. Right. And again, like we see data with this, with like UBI, right? That people are more productive when they're not stressing out about money constantly. Um, so that was kind of why I was like, oh, this is like, this is a way to actually like improve the quality of people's lives. Um, and to give them like a hand up, right. Like to help people get to like a better place because it's like when you're, when, when you're drowning, right. You're not thinking about like, well, how do I make healthy food for my kids? It's like, no, I have to stay fucking alive. Um, Mm. and so giving people like with white homework, giving people actual tools that they can use to kind of do a self-assessment, um, you know, figure out where they are, what, what they have, what influence they have, even if it's just like showing up at work and like asking like, Hey, what, you know, what, what, what are the policies here in terms of, you know, race, racism, like inclusivity and you know, what are you doing to make sure that people who come into this space, either as employees or customers or whatever the situation is like that, they're, that they're safe, that they're welcome, that they're included in like the decision-making process here. Um, you know, it's like, you don't have to have any, any power over anybody to ask that question at work, you know, like, yep. so, um, it's just like using, using your voice in that space. And so Mm. I, to me, like, as I said, it's just really, really important to give people something that they can do. Um, 
I was talking right before, right before, like one of the last people I went to coffee with before the pandemic, like before shutdown, like the lockdown happened was my friend Senya. And, uh, she was, she was talking about like this new project that she was working on. And she, she just goes, white people need a job, (laughs) right? Like white people need work to do. Uh, and that's not to be in charge, which is like kind of the default space that white people like fall into because it's just like, you know, there, there, there just is, there just isn't, there just isn't a blockbuster movie about some hotshot indigenous attorney in New York who goes and like rescues a bunch of white babies who are starving. Like that, that narrative yes. doesn't exist. Right. Exactly. Um, it's like, you see yourself as a savior. So that's where you put yourself. Like that's the role mm. you put yourself in just like without even thinking about it. Right. So again, like giving people a lens to like, okay, how do I step back from this like default positioning of like, oh, I can fix this, you know? Um, and that's really, that's really why that's like, like that kind of encapsulates like why white homework exists. And, um, yeah, so I have a podcast, um, or you can just like m- my Patreon is just whitehomework.com. So super straightforward. Um, and yeah, like to me at the end of the day, like if you're not, if you're not making a material difference, like whatever that looks like, right. Cause it doesn't necessarily have to be financial, but if you're not making a material difference, like what are you doing? You know, like you can you can listen and learn forever, but like at some point you kind of got to like go out and do the work. Got to right? do something. Right. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, for those listening, this is a great way to either begin or continue that journey in your own life. Really amazing community. Uh, highly recommend. Well, as we close for someone listening today, hypothetical situation mm-hmm. who in their journey of faith, has debated leaving Christianity or the church or evangelicalism or whatever language you want to put on it. They've debated leaving. They've thought about leaving. Maybe they've tried to leave and it hasn't gone well. But for people who are on the way out, what advice or encouragement or comfort would you give to that person who's kind of in this space of, I think I want to leave. Maybe I want to leave. I've thought about leaving before. Not just like leaving this homophobic church. Because I think a lot of people are doing that. Like, that's a great step. But like, I think I'm kind of over this whole framework of existing in the Mm -hmm. world and doing community and money and relationships. It just doesn't work for me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you say to that person? I mean, I think that like, I think that the thing that I would probably say is like when, like when you're leaving these spaces, it's really important to like pay attention to like what your body is telling you, like what your nervous system is doing. Like those, those reactions are like that stuff matters, you know, like, Hmm. and, um, you know, when, when we're, be it like inside of white evangelicalism or not, like we are taught that like our bodies are not trustworthy. Right. Um, that like our nervous system reactions are wrong. Right. That it, that it's like, you know, and, and it's like, however you want to frame that. Right. It's like, you shouldn't go into fight or flight when there's like a cop with a gun in your face. Like, okay, whatever. Right. Like that's, that doesn't work. Right. Like your, your nervous system exists. It is not a rational thing. So like, I, I would say like, I would say prioritize like caring for your nervous system, like as you're kind of leaving those spaces, um, because we're just, we're so coded to like 
hate ourselves. We're so coded to say like my only, my only value in society is what I can produce for capital. Right. Um, so like just paying attention to yourself, like, and what your nervous system is telling you. Um, I think that that can be a really helpful, um, a really helpful jumping off point. Um, also I would say like, if you're, if you're not already like becoming more trauma informed, which is basically, you know, it's, just, it's very similar. It's the same thing essentially. Um, because I would say like when, when you, when you're starting from a, a framework of being trauma informed, like you're 80% of the way to anti-racism, right? Like you're 80% of the way to trans rights, you're 80% of the way, like whatever, whatever, wherever you need to go. Like if you're trauma informed, like you can start connecting those dots on your own. Right. Wow. And that just yeah. takes like reading a book, <laughs> listening to a couple podcasts like that. It's not, it's not complicated. Right. Like I think that we try to make like neuroscience and, and like behavior and nervous systems really complicated. They're not, we're, we're animals. Sorry. Um, and like, not that, not that complex at the end of the day. So yeah, that's, that's what I would say. Awesome. Trauma informed, listen to your body. Love it. Those two things are things that I'm still trying to learn as well. Trying to listen to my body. Really, really helpful words. Thank you so much for that. Well, you probably have something that you it's like just your jam in terms of like ways that you like to end podcasts. Here's your like, hey, here's my like moniker, my life motto, whatever it is. So I always want to give uh, whoever is the guest just an opportunity to no rules, no like based on our conversation or not, but just a last word from Tori about anything that you're feeling right now that you want to kind of send out into the internet to our listeners. Last word from Tori, what do you got? Okay. So, um, what I am going to say is I, that I'm like, this is like my, I don't know, like my controversial take or whatever unpopular opinion, like hill that I'm going to die on. Um, I think that everybody, regardless of like your orientation or like relationship status or relationship configuration, uh, needs to be reading books about like polyamory and ethical non-monogamy because there's a lot of, cause it's not like monogamous people don't deal with jealousy, right? It's not like monogamous people don't deal with insecurity. It's not like single people don't deal with jealousy and insecurity. Right. So, um, yeah, that's like, that's my, I'm, I'm, I'm really on that kick right now of like, go to the library and check out a couple of books about yes. like non-monogamy. Totally. Which I was just talking with a friend recently about non-monogamy and one of the things that was fascinating in that conversation was they were talking about how really everyone is non-monogamous in different ways. We just typically associate non-monogamy with I'm sexually active with more than one partner. But right. it's like you have needs met with different people that's not your partner all the time in relationship. Yeah. And that's yeah. like normal and healthy and good. Uh -huh. So why would you like have this single framework and it's funny yeah. that that's like your thing yo like yo polyamory is the future let's do it that's a a really interesting conversation maybe we can we can do another episode sometime on polyamory because sure i'm a very noob uh in the just the non-monogamy world because yeah of course i've been a pastor for 15 yeah. years so that's like of the devil was my <laughs> like uh there is absolutely no way so uh, that's a, a new framework for existing in the world for yeah. me, the one that I'm really just interested in 
uh, seeing the healthy ways that yeah. like relationships and people function with one another. Like that's a really beautiful vision of like, I mean, I'm a big abolish the nuclear family as is. Um, oh but yeah. That's like, I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for your time, Tori. Uh, I know that I am just a random person that DM'd you on Twitter. Um, I know that these conversations are typically not easy. They could sometimes be heavy. And I'm grateful that you were willing to engage with us and share your wisdom and your story and your insight. Uh, I'm so grateful to get to learn from you and talk with you and share space with you. So thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been really wonderful. Absolutely. Well, for listeners who want to stay up to date on what you're doing, what are some of the best ways for them to support you or follow you? Obviously, White Homework, mm -hmm. uh, Go Home Bible, You're Drunk, both amazing. But anything else you want to plug as we close? Any projects coming up or things you want to give to the people? Oh man, this is like, this is so, that's such a good question. Um, so, and I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure when this is coming out, but it's something that we're always doing. So it doesn't actually matter. Um, but, uh, my birthday is coming up next week and it's a couple days before Juneteenth. And so I like to use that time to like raise funds to help families who need help. So that's what I'm doing. Um, but I'm always doing that. It's just, I just, focus on that pretty exclusively, like during that particular week. Um, yeah. So if you were somebody who is able to like, you know, throw in a couple bucks, like that would be really awesome. If you're someone who doesn't have to look at your bank account before you go to the grocery store or get gas, like it's kind of your job. Yep, so, absolutely. um, <laughs> now yeah. can they access that information? Like Twitter, Instagram, what's totally. like, what yeah. you've seen? Um, so my Patreon is just whitehomework.com. I'm usually on Twitter at Tori Glass. Um, you can also go to at White Homework on Twitter and Instagram. Find information there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, be sure to support the work that Tori is doing. Follow all the things. Uh, links to all of that will be in the show notes below. If this is your first time listening, this podcast is hosted by me and Nicole. We are bivocational pastors and leaders living and working here on the unceded land of the Spokane tribe. We keep this podcast sponsor and ad-free as an act of justice. So if you're able to become a Patreon member and support the work we're doing, we'd love to invite you to do so by visiting our Patreon page below. This episode was written, produced, and edited by us, Joseph and Nicole. Grace and peace to all of you. We love you, and we'll see you next time.